0: Welcome to Spirits Podcast, a boozy dive into mythology, legends, and folklore. Every week we pour a drink and learn about a new story from around the world. I'm Amanda. And I'm Julia. And this is episode 129, Yokai and Pokemon.
1: Oh yeah, I was so excited to bring this one to you. It's it's going to be a blast.
0: We actually came up with this episode idea while driving with the Eric's 2 spaghetti
1: warehouse in Akron. We so did. I feel like it is, it is doubly blessed. Yes. Thank you, Eric Silver, for bringing the suggestion in the first place. It was a lot of fun to do the research.
0: The Gamesman, the Pokeman, you know.
1: <laughs> also, I'm sure Pokemasters,
0: our newest patrons, Kristen, Tyler, Celia, Kalel, Anna, and Celine Dion's Barista, which I'm sorry, may be the best Patreon name we have seen yet.
1: Yeah, I, I really hope you are Celine Dion's uh, Barista. I honestly do. I really want to know what she orders. I feel like Earl Grey tea, but that might just be wish fulfillment. I feel like Earl Grey tea latte.
0: Ooh, yeah. But yeah, with yeah, like yeah. almond milk. Totally. Um, I I bet that our supporting producer level patrons have dope Starbucks names: Philip, Eeyore, Mercedes, Christopher, Kathy,
1: Vinny, Danica, Marissa, Sammy, Josie, Neil, Jessica, and Phil Fresh. And our legends always get their coffees comped at Starbucks whenever they go. Yes. And that's Haley, James, Jess, Sarah T, Sandra, Audra, Jack, Marie, and Liam. We
0: love you all, and we love what we sent you this month as your legend level patron gift. Yeah. So I'm really excited. if you want boxes of cool, creepy stuff from us
1: every dang month, head on over to patreon.com slash spirits podcast. Now, Amanda, I'm really excited about the sake that I picked out for this episode because one is it's it's made in Oregon and you don't see a lot of American made sake. So I was really excited to try it. Uh, It's called Muramura Meadow Sake and it's like super mellow and actually kind of reminds me more of a white wine than a traditional sake does. So if you are Just getting started into sake and you're not sure where to start. This is a really good starter sake.
0: Totally. And... I actually it reminded me of kind of like sitting in a park and reading a book, which is my preferred like spring summer activity, uh, which leads me to my recommendation for this week, which is a novel by a friend of the show, Lauren Shippen, called Infinite Noise. Now, this is a novel about Caleb and Adam, two of I think the internet's favorite characters from <laughs> The Bright Sessions, which I hope at this point everyone has listened to. But even if you don't know the podcast very well, or if you listened to it a while back and haven't listened since, it's still a wonderful novel. You don't need to know that context. It just is a beautiful, lovely story about being a teenager and falling in love and just dealing with the stuff that teens deal with. And I was super, super, super in love with the book. So that's Infinite Noise. It comes out in September and you can pre-order it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, your local bookstore, wherever books are sold.
1: Yeah, Lauren writes teenagers better than anyone I've ever met before or yeah. read stuff from before and it's really really impressive and I'm going to steal Amanda's copy as soon as I see her next.
0: Yes, gladly. And uh, maybe you can actually read it when we're on the plane down to Nashville, which we are going to in like two short weeks Heck for yeah. PodX, which is a very, very awesome podcast conference. I am really excited to see what it's like. A ton of our friends are going. I love the team that's organizing it. I really dig the programming. So I'm hoping that this will be one that we go to year after year. You can actually go to live to get the info about our PodX performances, about our upcoming live show in New York york city this june on the summer solstice no big deal we are going to orlando in august to go to podcast
1: movement and then to boston
0: in october for a live show
1: let's talk a little bit about our programming for products because i'm really excited about those and i think it'll get people more hyped to come see the shows
0: Yeah, I think that I may be most excited for DDR, which is Dungeons and Dragons in reality. Mm -hmm. It is something that we've come up with uh, over on the Join the Party team to have like a live improv show powered by D&D that doesn't require that, you know, any specific podcast or campaign or even the rules of D&D. We are just playing basically an escape room, but with the rules of D&D and playing ourselves. So I just came up with the like special item that I'm going to be using at the show. It
1: is extremely funny, extremely me. And I'm really, really stoked to see what it's like. It's gonna be a lot of fun. I'm, I'm so stoked for that one. I'm also really excited for playing for a better world, How to, how games make us better creators. Cause I think that if you are a creator and you're not also playing games and kind of learning how to play in your space better, this is the perfect panel for you cause it's going to teach you so, so much.
0: And we're also, all the multitudes are going to be on a panel called Never Too Late, Learning, Growing, and Fixing Mistakes After Launch, which we have learned so much over the last three and a half years yeah. of running this show. And you know, we're always trying to do better and to share what we've learned with the rest of our community. So this is a really exciting way for us to talk about not just like what to do before you launch your show, right? And like in a perfect world, we would all get all of the things we have to get done done. But how do you continue to learn and grow and improve even when your show is already out in the world?
1: Yeah. It's it's going to be a blast. Honestly, if you are in the Nashville area and you don't already have tickets, you should get them and come out to see these because they're going to be an absolute blast.
0: Yeah. If we've already sold you, just go right on over to podx.com slash multitude and get 10% off your tickets. Yeah. Do it. Do it up. So that brings us to a close of our housekeeping. We hope to see you soon. And if you are going to be seeing us, please tweet us and let us know. We are really, really getting hyped. Enjoy Spirits Podcast episode 129, Yokai and Pokemon.
1: But Amanda, when I talk about our, our childhood, what is one of the biggest pop culture things you remember? I know pop culture isn't your specialty, but let's let's try and play in the space here. Uh, definitely Harry
0: Potter. Mm-hmm. Going to book release parties and being really excited. Mm-hmm. Um, there were Pogs that I remember. There were Beanie Babies, that really earlier childhood. I played in Yu-Gi-Oh tournaments. That's you a did. thing that was true. I forgot I about that. Beyblades.
1: Mm-hmm. Let it rip. And Pokemon, of course. Oh, you you hit the nail on the head, as always. Oh, good, really? Like a good friend. Um, so the mythology of Beyblade is what you're telling me. Yes, let me tell you about Beyblade. It actually does yeah. have some Eastern mythology in it, but we'll talk about that another time. No, we were probably never, never going to do an episode <laughs> of Beyblades, but whatever. Tell me your favorite Pokemon memories. Tell me what
0: Pokemon means to you. Oh, man. Uh, well, yesterday on the subway, someone looked at me and said, I can't believe you still play Pokemon Go. <laughs> as they watched me play Pokemon Go. And I was flabbergasted and just looked them in the eyes and said, what a strange thing to say to a stranger. (laughs) Um, But shout out to Daniel Mallory Orberg, who often says that as a line in his Dear Prudence column. Like, just what a strange thing to say. That is such a good comeback for so good. weirdos on the subway.
1: Oh my God, that's fantastic.
0: So I like Pokemon. I like catching them all. I don't love the uh, the conflict as much. I don't really do battles or gyms in Pokemon Go, that is. But in the Pokemon games, my brother and I would always buy like each of the sets that came out. So he had red, I had blue, he had gold, I had silver, he had Ruby. I had Sapphire. So uh, going through each game, we would buy the like twenty five dollar manual with the you know like walkthrough yeah. of the game, um, and it was always really exciting to to be you know devoted to a thing for a couple months until you played it through.
1: Wow. Now I'm just thinking about how I missed out as an only child because all I wanted in life was a Vulpix but I had yeah or uh, whatever the opposite one was. I always had an Arcanine and not a vulpix so.
0: Yeah, that was nice, and uh, Connor's a very good sharer, so we uh, we helped each other out, which was nice.
1: (sighs) Yeah, I I loved the Pokemon days, but Amanda, did you know that a lot of Pokemon, all the ones that you know and love, are actually inspired by one of our favorite things, Japanese myths and urban legends? You know, that honestly
0: never occurred to me and I feel like the biggest dum-dum in the world because of course it
1: is. (laughs) So today we are going to do a roundup of some of the myths and legends that inspire the character design for Pokemon. So buckle in, I'm about to ruin your childhood. Julia, that's what I come back for week after week. So Amanda, I think Ninetales is a great place to start. Alban as a kid I wanted an Arcanine rather than a Ninetales, but I had Pokemon Blue as a kid and never wanted to trade any of my Pokemon, so I stuck with my Ninetales and never got my Arcanine.
0: That reminds me, Jules, how did you name your parties? I would do like themed um Pokemon party names and like a bunch of, you know, nineteenth century authors because I was a weird ten year old and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, I usually did it based on like characters of the book I was reading at that time. And usually Greek mythology. Nice, classic. Just because I was on point. Ninetales is directly inspired by a kitsune, which is a manipulative shapeshifter and trickster spirit. So while their natural state is a multi-tailed fox, they could often shapeshift into humans to just kind of fuck around with mortals. Cool. Love a trickster. But they weren't always manipulative and malicious. So for instance, there is a great story where a relationship between a kitsune and a mortal actually doesn't end tragically. Almost all of them do. This is one of the few ones where it doesn't. Ooh. So there was a man named Ono who spent years searching for a woman that would fit all of his ideas of what a beautiful woman should be. This happens a lot in Japanese mythology. I feel like we talked about Hmm. this with the icicle woman. Do you remember that? Yeah, just like searching after an ideal. It's like, whoops, she's an icicle. So one day he saw such a woman on the moors near his home and he married her immediately. Listen, we talked about this.
0: (laughs) Never go on the moors. And that includes marrying people that you see on the moors. Yeah, just the moors, all bad. All bad moors. I mean, they're beautiful to look at from a distance. Crucially, the distance.
1: There's a reason why they represent longing and whatnot in English literature. Yeah. Yeah. They get married. She gives birth to a son. But at the same time, the man's dog gave birth to a puppy. Uh-huh. The dog, as it grew, became more and more hostile towards the wife, which confused the man. And his wife begged him to get rid of the dog, but Ono refused. One day, the dog attacked the wife, and completely startled, she transformed into her fox form and fled the home. hey a, hey. Ono was confused, obviously, because his <laughs> wife had just turned into a fox. But he, I call- just pictured his tombstone saying, "Oh no." Confused. But he called out to his wife over the moors saying, you may be a fox, but you are the mother of my son and I will always love you. Come back when you please. You will always be welcome. Aww. And so she did. So every night she would appear at the house as the sun went down and she would sleep in the comfort of his arms. Oh shit, that's super cute. Yeah. This is actually also where the kitsune gets its name. So kitsune means come and sleep and kitsune means always come. Oh, so shit. That's adorable. They always come to sleep. But yeah, it's a really, really common myth in Japan. It's a super common story actually across most of the like Eastern mythologies. So China has a lot of uh, fox myths. Korea has some fox myths. A lot of the area just has trickster fox myths stuff you know like you do
0: i mean you look at a fox you know it's a
1: trickster god you just do right oh. just has that face so kitsune are said to grow a extra tail every 100 years and when kitsune grows its ninth tail aka reaches 900 years they gain infinite wisdom and their fur goes from red to white which is why if you look at oh. bullpecks versus nine tails in pokemon oh, that's, that's the color change damn there are typically two forms of kitsune, the Zenko, which are these benevolent celestial foxes that are associated with the non-binary kami of agriculture, industry, and prosperity in Nari. And then there are the Yako, which are the mischievous kind. And kitsune are actually also known to possess people, usually young women. The spirit will enter either through underneath her fingernails or through her breasts, Uh, because those are the best places to get possessed through. Oh, no. No, no, no. Painful. The possessed woman's features will become more fox-like, and here's actually a description of what the possession looks like according to a Greek folklorist, Lafcadio Hearn, who wrote several histories of Japanese legends through the late 1800s. So, strange is the madness of those into whom demon foxes enter. Sometimes they run naked, shouting through the streets. Sometimes they lie down and froth at the mouth and yelp as a fox yelps. And on some part of the body of the possessed, a moving lump appears under the skin, which seems to have a life of its own. Uh -uh. Possessed folk are also said to speak and write in languages of which they were totally ignorant prior to possession. That's one of the most interesting parts to me.
0: That is one of those, like, you know, the sort of, like, after a head injury, you know, people sometimes, like, lose or gain very unexpected abilities. Have you heard of this before? No, I've never people heard of People will, like, before. learn to play, like, know how to play the piano suddenly, and they never did before. Whoa. Or they'll know languages they didn't know before. Like, that has happened in the world. And uh, the brain is is a wild and most mythological place. That
1: is very, very cool. Uh, So this form of possession in modern-day Japan is tied, thai- like, they, they've looked back at these histories and have tied it to obviously mental illness. It's also similar to another case study that has happened in the past, which is called clinical uh, lycanthropy, mm. where they are convinced that they are possessed by a wolf spirit and will fulfill those kind of prophecies of what we expect a werewolf to be.
0: Interesting. So do the people that are possessed by the kitsune uh, realize that and have that as like a framework? Or is this something that you kind of place on them like we did with, you know, witchcraft, for example? So
1: it is something that we did place on them during that period, but now it's so ingrained into Japanese society that some people will develop these symptoms and convince themselves that they are possessed by kitsune.
0: Gotcha. So like any... You know altered state of mind. You use the framework that you have around you, right? Like the things right. you grew up with, the myths that are in your brain. Um, like those can can remap in unexpected ways. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that one's really cool,
1: and that's a good start to our Pokemon mythology. Oh no, but it's going to get creepier now, doesn't it? Of course it does. What did you uh, think yep. though of the nine tails? I tried to start you off very easy. <laughs>
0: Uh, thank you. I like it a lot. I imagine how cool it is knowing that mythology to like see the little nugget of the red to, to white, you know, transformation.
1: Um, I was just totally ignorant of it. And I was like, oh, what a pretty fox. <laughs> it oh, was it has funny tales. That's cool. It was one of the prettiest original Pokemon. I will say yes. that. So I think we're going to go next to Mawile. Do you remember Mawile? No. I'm going to send you a photo real quick. Oh, big scary mouth boy. Big scary mouth boy.
0: Yep, yep. Little yellow skirt. Big ol' Venus flytrap mouth. Mm-hmm. Like
1: it. So I never really got into Mawile as a Pokemon. I do love a Steel-type, though I never realized why it was a Steel-type, because as a as a ignorant Pokemon player, I would never read the Pokedex descriptions. Sure. So here is the Pokedex description from Sapphire, quote, "'Don't be taken by this Pokemon's cute face. It's very dangerous.'" Mawile fools the foe into letting its guard down, then chomps down with its massive jaws. The steel jaws are actually horns that have been transformed. Oh! And then the description from Ultra Sun claims that it swallows its foes whole. So, what horrifying yokai could this Pokemon be inspired by? Sounds like a a, a big old muncher. Big muncher. That's it. That's the uh, that's the Japanese term for it. <laughs> no, the Fudakuchi Ona. Uh, do you want to take a guess of what that means? Is is a big old muncher? <laughs> it's not big old muncher. It is the two
0: mouthed woman. Oh, oh no. So uh, oh no. <laughs> is is the second mouth? Is the second mouth a vagina? It's not. Okay, good.
1: I promise. So she is quite literally just a normal looking woman, apart from the fact that she has a second mouth on the back of her head, usually beneath no. her hair. Oh, oh god. So it's an entirely functional mouth that has lips, teeth, and a tongue. Mm. Now, a woman can become a futakuchi-ona and grow a second mouth if she does not eat enough. So many of these stories start with the woman being the wife of a miser who refuses to spend money on food. So his yeah. wife royally eats. And as a result, the second mouth appears on the back of her head, muttering spiteful things about her husband, spouting <laughs> threats, and then giving the woman headaches if she refuses to eat.
0: Wow, man, there's so much here about the sort of like bounds of femininity that we allow women mm. to inhabit and you know making an exaggerated monster out of those who
1: you know don't comply yeah seriously so the hungrier she gets the louder the complaints from the second mouth become and the worse her (laughs) headaches get extremely good oh no eventually if the woman refuses to feed the second mouth her hair will turn against her (gasps) basically becoming a life of its own and grabbing food off of her plate to feed the second mouth
0: Wow, I'm getting strong Medusa vibes, and I'm really here for it.
1: It's really, really good. I really like that one, too, if only because I like the idea of we talk a lot about how women defying certain expectations and roles become monstrous. Yes. And I think this is very much one of those cases. And I like the idea of just being like, I'm going to eat my fill and you have nothing you're going to say about it because I have a second mouth and hair that moves.
0: Yeah. And like when when a when your societal conditioning won't allow you to assert yourself as you need to, that there is some survival instinct within you that will that will, you know, take over. Yeah,
1: absolutely. So moving on, how about the uh, Whiskash? Do you remember Whiskash? It's a very dorky looking Pokemon. Yes, I do. Is that is that uh, Big Fish Long Whisker? <laughs> big Fish Long Whisker. Yes, Amanda. Yes. Very good. So it looks super dorky. It's actually a water and ground type, which whenever I was playing the games, I was like, why? Why? Why is that a thing? Is he like a bottom feeder? So he's inspired by a catfish. Ooh. And he doesn't seem particularly intimidating, but then you read the Pokedex entry. Again, as a child, I should have been reading the Pokedex (laughs) entries because I would have had so much more appreciation for these Pokemon. So from Ruby and Sapphire... Whiskash is extremely territorial. Just one of these Pokemon will claim a large pond as its exclusive territory. If a foe approaches it, it thrashes about and triggers a massive earthquake. Oh. And if Whiskash goes on a wild rampage, it sets off a quake-like tremor with a radius of over three miles. This Pokemon has the ability to predict real earthquakes. So... Earthquake! Wow. That's got to be a part of the original story, right? Surely. You would be right. Whiskash is inspired by Namazu, which is a giant catfish. Hence why (gasps) Whiskash looks so dorky because he's a big old catfish. Yeah. Catfish are super dorky looking fish, aren't they? They are. Like, you can't even be mad. Like, they, they
0: should be theoretically so close to a worm that it's creepy but I just think they're adorable.
1: Yeah. So while the Pokemon Whiscash is only about three feet in the game, uh, Namazu is huge. So in pictures, about a dozen men can fit on top of him.
0: Whoa.
1: It is said to live in the mud underneath the islands of Japan, inhabiting large watery caverns deep underground. That makes sense. And honestly, it's just, It's just a big old catfish, and it's not trying to do anything (laughs) wrong necessarily, you know? It's not like a monster who is trying to fuck up the lives of the poor Japanese people, you know? Right. But uh, catfish tend to thrash around in the mud when they're either disturbed or excited. So because of how big it is, their thrashing shakes the earth violently, causing earthquakes in the area near and above where they reside. Most of the art of the Namazu is the giant fish thrashing around while various people, mortals, but even kami and yokai are trying to calm it down to stop the tremors because obviously Mm -hmm. everyone is very disturbed by these big old earthquakes that are happening. The most popular story about the Namazu comes from the Ibaraki Prefecture, so, the patron deity of martial arts, Takamikazuchi, is said to be one of the few people that was able to subdue a Namazu single handedly. Hmm. So, he pinned the giant fish under where his shrine is now erected, piercing its head and tail with a sacred stone that still remains in the shrine today. So if you visit the shrine, you can see the stone protruding from the ground, which is very Whoa, cool. Whoa, that'd be awesome. Man, I want to go to Japan so bad. No, know, me too. So any earthquakes that happen during the 10th lunar month in Japan, which is known as the godless month, because that's when the kami travel to Izumo, is said to be the namazu active because Takamikazuchi is absent.
0: Mm, Makes sense. I like that
1: one. In Japan, earthquakes are tied to catfish because in 1855, there was a huge earthquake and hundreds of illustrations were shared in newspapers of thrashing catfish alongside reports of the earthquake. And that's because witnesses to the event noticed that catfish were behaving strangely just before the earthquake and speculated that catfish had the ability to foresee the upcoming disaster. So like, oh, these fish can see the future.
0: I mean or I mean there are animals like one of the ways that we predict forest fires right or or know that they're coming is seeing the you know animals start to flee or to behave strangely that's not you know prediction. It's just that they probably, I mean, that probably makes sense, you know, like in physics that the water would feel vibrations before the land does.
1: So, man, I'm glad you point that out because in 1855, that would seem ridiculous. Oh, these fish can see the future. But in recent studies, catfish are extremely electrosensitive and they actually do become more a- uh, active before earthquakes hit. There it is. There it is. Whoop! there it is. So, man, I'm going to tell you a little bit more about some horrifying Pokemon in just a bit, but uh, do you want to get a refill first?
0: I'm going to need it. Mm -hmm. Now, Julia, we spoke in the intro about the many performances that we have coming up. I couldn't be more excited. But I also want to look my best for meeting and taking selfies with all of the conspirators that we're going to be meeting on the road. Heck yeah. And I definitely want to live up to my reputation uh, that some people seem to think I am stylish, which is very sweet. I need to refresh the wardrobe. So, you know, my first instinct was to get a new Stitch Fix box. Heck yeah. We told you a lot about Stitch Fix. They are giving you clothes to fit your style, your budget, your wardrobe, your body. And you know that you can get it as a subscription, right? Where they send you automatic shipments every so often. But you can also just get boxes whenever you need. You don't have to commit to a subscription, which I really appreciate because between travel and it just being new weather, like I don't know what kinds of clothes I'm going to need. So you can just order a box whenever you need it. Shipping, exchanges and returns are always free. And the way it works is that Stitch Fix has a $20 styling fee to get the stuff, you know, curated for you and sent over to you, but if you keep anything from the box, that 20 bucks is deducted from the price. So in other words, if you keep something, it is completely free including the shipping and the returns.
1: I love stitch fix i love everything that they like I've, I've kept so many things that they've sent me that which really speaks to the quality of the product and also the fact that they really are starting to get my style and i love working with my stylist to kind of figure out hey i i, I liked this how about more bold prints next time it's awesome. It, it, like a
0: celebrity always looks so good, you know, because they have these personal stylists making sure that they always look fresh and that their clothing fits them really well. So I feel like I get to enjoy that action with Stitch Fix. Yeah. So if we have convinced you, hopefully we have, to try Stitch Fix and see what they will send you, go to stitchfix.com spirit to get 25% off when you keep everything in your box. That's stitchfix.com slash spirits. Right, that's
1: stitchfix.com spirits and you'll get 25% off when you keep all of the items in the box. All right, Amanda, I've, I've talked about 2015 many times, and especially mm-hmm. in relation to Care-of, just because I love Care-of. Care-of is a subscription service that gets me vitamins, protein powders, and more that are personalized to me and delivered to my door. And they come in these little cute packets that I can just rip open, take my vitamins for the day, and then not have to worry about it. And as someone who, you know, my ADHD makes it hard to remember to take anything ever, it is really, really useful to kind of just be able to pull out the thing from the box they sent me rip it open and then I'm done for the day. I don't need to remember to take it later on or anything like that. It's super convenient. You can take their online quiz, which it lets you know exactly what you need. And it's also really quick, a lot of fun and talks about kind of what you're trying to achieve with your goals and your health and stuff like that. So it'll teach you if you are getting enough protein, fiber, good fats. It'll determine what you could benefit from with Care Of's new natural protein powders too. And I'm really excited because I'm trying to get more into protein powder to really like up my up my muscle growth and stuff like that. So it's really, really cool. For
0: sure. So listeners, you can join Julia in 2015 or just improving your health and your life by going to takecareof.com and enter the code SPIRITS30 for 30% off your first Care Of order.
1: Yep. Uh, So for 30% off your first Care-of order, you can go to takecareof.com and enter the promo code SPIRITS30. Honestly, Care-of has kind of changed my life in terms of protein, powders, and vitamins, and I want it to change yours too. Jules, my life has been changed by our final sponsor this week. And I'm not exaggerating. This
0: is Away, the suitcase company, which I think you may have heard on other podcasts. They are known as first class luggage at a coach price. And I was a little bit anxious when Away got in touch with us because I have opinions about luggage. (laughs) I have opinions. I have organizational systems. I have backpacked for the better part of like 10 years. And I know good luggage when I see it. Listen, Away delivers. (laughs) Like I was so impressed by their suitcase. I got the bigger carry-on. They have like four different sizes between like a smaller carry-on. This is sort of like the maximum that uh, airlines can accept. Like they looked up all of the regulations and made as big a carry-on bag as possible. Uh, And it, it checks out. Like it is light. They have a laundry bag that's inside the suitcase lining that you can take out. That way when you're traveling, you can put all your little laundry in there. That is very cool. When we were away for the last two weeks doing some Midwest stuff, It was super, super convenient. The wheels are like spinny wheels. They don't get sticky. They are very smooth and good when you are navigating LaGuardia here in in, uh, New York. It is a bad airport with bad um, walkways. And the suitcase made it very easy. They have a lifetime warranty. So if anything breaks, they'll fix it or replace it for life. And best of all, a 100-day trial. So you can live with it, travel with it. And if at any point you decide it's not for you, no questions asked, you can return it for a full refund.
1: That is awesome. And I know you are extremely picky when it comes to your travel goods. So I'm glad you found something that works for you. I did. I'm so impressed with it. I love the
0: colors. And when I was delayed for three hours, uh, leaving Chicago most recently, our gate changed six times. Oh, my God. Um, So we had to like run back and forth. So it's not like you can camp out by an outlet. And then just charge all your stuff when you're there for longer than you thought. Having that built-in battery in the suitcase was a real game changer. That sounds so useful. Oh, my gosh. I need to get one right now. It really was. I am genuinely a fan. They come through on their promise. So if you want to check out their suitcases, go to awaytravel.com spirits and use promo code spirits during checkout for $20 off a suitcase. That is awaytravel.com slash spirits and use the promo code spirits during checkout for $20 off a suitcase. And now let's get back to the show.
1: Hey, Amanda. Yeah. What the fuck is up with Executor and Execute? Um, That's a great
0: question. On the one hand, it's like, okay, eggs are planted and make a, uh, make a palm tree. But why is a palm tree a Pokemon?
1: Why is a palm tree a Pokemon? Also, why are they eggs? Yeah, that's true. Because that's not how you make trees. It's <laughs> not how you make trees. Correct. Do you want to take any, like, guess or speculation as to what the Pokemon lore is behind this?
0: Um, The Pokemon lore. Uh, I mean, Pokemon hatch from eggs. So having a Pokemon
1: hatch from an egg, I get it. Um, No idea. No. Okay. So I'm going to read you the entry. From the Pokedex on both. Days. Okay. So for Execute, this Pokemon consists of six eggs that form a closely knit cluster. The six eggs attract each other and spin around. When cracks increasingly appear on the edges, Execute is close to evolution. Mm-hmm. So that's okay. why you see them like kind of fucked up eggs. Sure. Meanwhile, here's the entry for Executor. It is called The Walking Jungle. If a head grows too big, it falls off and becomes an execute. Oh, okay. Okay, so basically, this Pokemon is a bunch of coconuts with human faces, right? Pretty simple. Mm-hmm. No, <laughs> not simple. So enter. Also, they really look like eggs. They don't look like coconuts. They look like eggs. I know. Uh, enter the Jemenju, which is first described in an art book published in 1781 by a Japanese artist, Toriyami Seiken. It is a tree that is said to grow in the remote valleys of China. So now we all love trees, right? We all love trees. Yeah. Uh, monster. We love trees until they're described as bearing fruit that resembles, quote, human heads. The faces are always smiling or laughing, even as they oh, fall no. from their branch. No, don't like that one bit. So the heads don't speak human language, thank God, but they are almost incessantly laughing out loud.
0: Oh, man. I bet this is where Joe got, uh, got the mandrake
1: from, huh? No, Mandrake was uh, pre-this, hmm. I would say. Yeah. Now I'm thinking about it. I'm like, yeah, Mandrake. Happy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, then that's that's even creepier
0: that he, humans came to two different kinds of plants that bear screaming heads.
1: Oh, no, this is, uh, this is a thing. Like there's mentions in the Quran, I think, of something very similar to this. And there's a couple of stories in Hindu uh, traditions as well, if I remember correctly. I did some terrifying. research, but I was like, let's focus on Japan
0: because Pokemon. <laughs> Thank you for not presenting me with an entire roundup of uh, trees that grow human wait, heads.
1: Wait until next month. Don't no. no. <laughs> now that you mentioned it. Okay. So the stories say that you can eat the fruit that falls from the tree and that it has nope, a sweet idea. and sour taste. I'm glad you're uh-uh. wondering. Nope. Not going to eat don't, the human don't faces. Don't eat the fairy food. Nope so if you're wondering why someone would want to eat a fruit that looks like a cackling child's face uh it's because that some stories say that the fruit can either give one immortality or at least longevity
0: or you're super hungry like i get it but if you have the choice
1: that's some like cannibalism shit right there my friend it looks like a child's face and will laugh at you while you eat it
0: Listen, if it's between (laughs) you and starvation, you know that I am here for light cannibalism, Julie. We just covered this last week. Amanda's pro-daughter
1: party, everyone. (laughs) No, I am not. (laughs) (laughs) I knew this would get a good reaction from you. That's why I started with this.
0: I'm actually really curious. In Pokemon Go, there's a version of um, Executor, right? That's a tree one, Mm -hmm. with a very long neck. Like, it's so tall, you can't see it in the screen properly.
1: That's the Alola version. The pokemon sun and moon version because they're in oh, okay. the tropics so he's an even taller oh, palm tree
0: fair so that way he can spread his heads far and wide
1: he's also part dragon type in that game for some reason probably because he's huh. so tall he looks like a big big <laughs> tall dragon I don't that's know.
0: something else that's pretty trippy is to look at the pokedex heights of of pokemon oh God, there are yeah. some like scale model drawings of pokemon you can find online it is extremely uh terrifying yep those are my favorite
1: i love those okay so we're done with the the creepy tree i promise god so we're gonna talk about ghastly instead okay uh ghastly was kind of cute for a ghost pokemon all things considered yeah uh with his big eyes and his little fangs and stuff like that
0: once he gets the hands though that's no good
1: he gets the hands does he have haunter haunter is the hands yeah yeah that's what i figured here's the sad little pokedex entries for ghastly it's said that the gas emanating from a graveyard was possessed by the grievances of the deceased and thus became a Pokemon. The, aka the decomposing body gas? Yeah.
0: Oh no, I bet that boy smells bad. He
1: does. He smells real bad. Oh no. He, he smells like, smells like rot and decay. Oh. How adorable. <laughs> oh yeah, it's sad, but also kind of accurate to his yokai counterpart, which is the Sogenbai. So this is a fireball yokai. Uh, which is specifically the head of an anguished monk covered in flame that flies through the sky. Oh, no. Why now, is he anguished? <laughs> you'll see why. So here's how that ended up happening. In southern Kyoto, there was a monk named Sogen. Sogen was a bad man. Bad, bad man. He would steal money from the offering box at the temple that he resided at. He would steal offerings of oil to the gods and then sell it in secret, keeping the money for himself. Oh, no. So he did all of this in life. And then when he grew old and died, he was punished for his wickedness by the gods. So his head was removed from his body, lit a flame, and was said to float across the land near the temple, trying to seek penance.
0: Okay. All right. I get it.
1: Pretty straightforward. Uh, Ghastly, cuter, and probably less anguished than this this monk guy
0: yeah i uh i get why the anguish exists now though again like having a human head be the the middle of a fireball pretty terrifying
1: yeah all right i think you're gonna like this next one did you have opinions on Slowbro as a pokemon and slow king no i think pretty cute yeah cute a little dumb like that was their whole dumb, thing like, a little sleepy but mm-hmm. like
0: I identify with the Slow Bros and, and Snorlaxes of the world. Mm-hmm. That's fair.
1: So, Slowbro evolves from Slowpoke after a shelter bites the Slowpoke's tail. Because right. Slowpokes, they fish with their tails. Which is super cute, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Similarly, there is Slow King, which is a Shelder biting the head of the Slowpoke instead of the tail of the Slowpoke. So, instead, the Slow King gets extreme intelligence from the Shelder's poison. And oh, the no. Slowbro just becomes more dumb from the Sheldr's poison. Oh, no. It's very sad. <laughs> I actually am trying to evolve one
0: right now in Pokemon Go, so I, I'll let you know when I get there. Very right, cool.
1: This one has less to do with Pokemon Lore and more about the character design. So, Sheldr, especially on Slowbro, makes the Pokemon resemble the Yokai, Sazai Oni.
0: Well, Oni sounds like Uni, which I have never eaten but see a lot on Top Chef. Is this a delicious uh, spiky
1: sea creature? Almost, you're close. The Oni is pretty much an ocean snail mermaid. Oh, so that's that's really the best way to describe it. There, well, that's is... interesting. What's the configuration here? Uh, I will send you a photo real quick. One second.
0: Oh, oh boy, oh boy, oh man! What a choice. <laughs> Not what I expected. <laughs> um. Well, we have uh tits out, human from uh from the the belly up. And then some kind of just fleshy, um, uh, unified, uh, like trunk into a shell with, mm-hmm. is that a shell on her face?
1: No, that's, so uh, the sazai is inspired by a turban snail, which is a ocean snail. Interesting. And I will send a picture of what a turban snail looks like to you. Yeah,
0: like, do you know those bacteria that look like adorable little sea creatures? Yeah, it look like the head of one of those. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you're <laughs> talking
1: about. Yeah. We'll we'll link this in the show notes so everyone can look at what we're talking about. Okay, but yeah, it's it's like it, it's not a human face; it looks like a little weird animal we'll face, snail face, little we'll snail yeah. face.
0: You know, I I did not expect the uh the hybrid to have snail on bottom and on top. Mm,
1: I think that the the double the double snail really makes it.
0: It truly does.
1: They are inspired, like I said, uh, by the turban snail, and they haunt Japan's oceans. They typically only appear on moonlit nights and dance on the water's surface trying to lure sailors. They are shapeshifters, so they can transform into beautiful Mm. women. They're not always double snail.
0: I mean, honestly, that is how I feel when I get home, take off my bra immediately, wash off my makeup, and sit on the couch. Become a double snail. (laughs) Leave like a slime trail if I'm particularly Mm -hmm. sweaty. you Mm You know how it is. I like that. Listen, folks, don't romanticize your heroes, man. <laughs> we, we sound edited and funny on mic, but uh, it is summertime and I am always a little bit shiny.
1: I'm just always shiny, but that's just because of my skin. <laughs> so they'll often pretend to be drowning and cry out as ships pass so that they will rescue her. Classic. So in her appreciation, she will offer to sleep with any of the sailors on the ship, but she will cut off their testicles after the deed is done. Oh no! <laughs> the pissed-off sailors will then throw her back into the ocean, where she reveals her true form. Ha <laughs> ha! I was a snail all along. Often, she'll barter with the captain of the ship, the balls of the crew, for part of their gold. Oh, okay. Uh, this is why Oni is often described as having golden shells in their natural state because they're crusted with the gold of the pirates she yes! stole from. Fuck yeah. Also in Japanese, testicles are referred to as kintama or golden balls. So she literally trades gold for gold. Very good. Love a pun. It's very, Love very a pun. Uh, sazae can be formed in a couple of ways. When a turban snail reaches the age of 30, uh, for instance, it transforms into this yokai. So we have th- three, how old are we? Three years is what I'm hearing until we become golden snails. No, no. So this is this is only if we're already turban snails. But there is another option.
0: Do we become golden women then?
1: Yes, obviously, we (laughs) become golden girls, and then we we have a TV show.
0: (laughs) True. You know, per our conversation last week, I hear that you just lose self consciousness and all the fucks um, that you have to give when you turn thirty. So that's what I'm hoping for.
1: Sounds great, honestly. So another way, this is this is our goal here, is that if a lustful woman drowns in the ocean. She becomes a sea sea snail, and then after 30 years, she can transform into a Sassayoni.
0: You know, not a bad way to go,
1: if if that's going to be it. Yeah. I just got to be horny, but near water all the time, and then I can achieve my goals.
0: (laughs) It sounds like we're already most of the way there. (laughs) Aren't you horny for the ocean?
1: I'm always horny for the ocean.
0: I'm always horny for the ocean. I hear my neighbors unlocking their door next to me. (laughs) I'm um, always
1: horny for the ocean.
0: You know here we are. This is just the life that we're living.
1: Uh, I'm going to do a honorable mention uh, with Frostlass, if only because we've done a full episode on the yokai that she is inspired by, which is the Yuki Onna.
0: Yeah, one of the best episodes, I think, that we've done so far.
1: I really like that one. So several of the Pokedex entries from the game confirm this. So for instance, in Heart Gold and so Silver, it says, legends in snowy regions say that a woman who was lost on an icy mountain was reborn as a lass, which is horrifying nice. because it's not like there's only one lass in the game. It's a pretty common oh, Pokemon. There's
0: a lot. So that
1: means a lot of women died and then turned into this Pokemon. Horrifying. But also, please do live on as a Poke. I think that will be cute. Sure. In Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon, there's also this horrifying one. Quote, It freezes hikers that have come to climb snowy mountains and carries them back to its home. It only goes after men that it thinks are handsome. Or (laughs) it's said that on nights of terrible blizzards, it comes down to human settlements. If you hear it knocking at your door, do not open it with an exclamation point at the end.
0: (laughs) Sound advice. Just check the peephole before you open the door.
1: It's very, very good. So Amanda, did I successfully ruin Pokemon and your childhood today? Uh, no,
0: Julia. I think you gave me more reasons to pay attention and to love the pokes and to wonder at their mythological origins um, and to have a little more sense about the executor, you know, their their very creepy origins.
1: Yes, they're really, really bad. And for some reason, you'll still eat the laughing face fruit and I worry about you. Listen, only if I'm about to starve, Julia. <laughs> I don't think you qualified that. You're like, I would eat the fruit. And I was like, wait, what? No, if you need
0: to, if uh-huh. you need to. No, no. I would not touch the fairy food out of choice. What I'm saying is in desperate times, if that's all that stands between you and certain death, you you know, it's animal eat animal. You gotta do it.
1: That's fair. And to be fair, if you eat the fruit, you'll live forever, probably. Maybe. Maybe <laughs> that's, that's not pressed. a
0: thing that uh that's not a thing that, that compels me.
1: Okay, good. I don't wanna live forever either.
0: I want teleportation. I want flight. I want to be able to fall asleep on demand and stay asleep
1: as long as I oh want God, to. God, move! Maybe more than anything else. Um, that's about all I need. Yeah. So even if we didn't completely creep you out with these Pokemon, I think we can remind our listeners to stay creepy, stay cool. Don't eat the fairy fruit only if it'll give you immortality.
0: No, only if you're <laughs> extremely hungry and need two and about to die. Ah. <laughs> uh, bye, okay. conspirators. Have a good week. Thanks again to our sponsors. Head to TakeCareOf.com and use the code SPIRITS30 for 30% off your first Care Of order. stitchfix.com slash spirits will get you 25% off when you keep all five items in your Stitch Fix box and visit awaytravel.com slash spirits and then plug in that promo code SPIRITS during checkout for $20 off a suitcase with Away.